Welcome to Sonny Joe with Kevin Clark. I am Kevin Clark. Lindsay Jones. Uh, I want to say this. We were discussing off-season shows and what it was going to look like. And I said, we'll just respond to headlines. And you said, man, some of these headlines are really bleak. It is our job to make them unbleak. What's going on, pal? It's it's May. I mean, it's the time of year where the NFL schedule release is like the most interesting happening uh, thing happening in the world. The last, last week was dominated by announcement of the schedule release. Yes. A couple years ago, when we first started Green Rooms, shout out Green Rooms. There was a guy in the F1 paddock the other day who flagged me, flagged me down and just said, bring back Green Rooms. Um, so there's one person just really missing Green Rooms. Um, but the first Green Room we ever did was reacting to the schedule release. Boy, you went about bleak. That was tough. It's like, you know, we already know the opponents and you have to fill an hour of being like, wow, this game's going to be in prime time. Look at that. Yeah. Well, you know, that content's going to be all over the place later this week, probably on uh, <laughs> probably on the ringer.com in some fashion. But, you know, that's what we do. Look, I know there's a lot of interest in it. People want to plan their trips. I get that part. Um, you know, and we just want to know how the NFL is going to just completely take over our lives come September. And they are going to. They're taking over every single inch of the fall and winter calendar. So we got some, and we use some of those announcements as a jumping off point for a broader point about the schedule this year. Some of the the broader trends that are going on, some of the dates that they're playing on that they used to not play on. We're going to get to that, but we're just going to do headlines. We're just going to go through some of the stories that are relevant in the NFL right now. And we're just going to, just going to chime in. We're going to try to do five minutes each. Richie, uh, it's been six months. Uh, Have we figured out any sort of clock mechanism? No. Okay, excellent. Um, all right, so so we're just going to keep time on my phone, but I'm going to try to not have it go uh, into, like, I don't want the alarm on my phone to play. We're, we'll, we'll, we're going to figure it out. We will start with the most insane headline of the week, Lindsay Jones. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The commanders potentially tampering with Andrew Luck. The Colts asking for an investigation of said tampering. And all the the nuances within that. Uh, Let's start here. When you first heard this, and by the way, this had been reported almost a year ago um, and and wasn't really 
commented much upon. It was part of a, a John Kime report a year ago, basically saying the commanders checked on more than 40 quarterbacks. That weirdly got aggregated into being like they called it the Chiefs about Mahomes, which I don't sounds like maybe an exaggeration, but they called a lot of people about a lot of different quarterbacks. Um, but one of them was Andrew Luck, which you're not allowed to do. So this got steam over the weekend when Jim Irsay basically said, if you called Andrew Luck, that's tampering. What do you got, Lindsey Jones? Well, you know, maybe uh, maybe he, Jim Irsay, one who is, you know, maybe does he have like a Google alert? Do, do you think somebody just <laughs> recently taught him how to do a Google alert for Andrew Luck, uh, potentially? And he maybe he's seen that there have been some recent um, punishments for tampering mm-hmm. that maybe um, these investigations can turn into something. Yep, the the notable pick swap when the Cardinals called uh, Jonathan Gannon at an improper time, and you know that can be advantageous. So, you know, maybe he thought, you know, maybe we could get a you know get an extra fourth round pick, fourth round pick in twenty twenty four or something out of this. You know, who knows? They'll get something out of it. Um, I think that this is a little bit of like Ursay just being Ursay and needling in ways that he can. Uh, we do know that the Colts like to uh, instigate investigations, not to go relitigate, you know, deflate gate 10 years later, however long it's been, but you know, you know, put in the call, right. You know, let's see what we can do. I mean, it, it's just, it's just, I, I don't know. It's just funny. Like it, it is such a sore spot still in Indy about like, would he ever play again? Yeah. And the way that all, you know, the retirement went down. So I think there is just like, it's a sensitive you know, it's a sensitive subject every time his name is name comes up, but it's just ridiculous. Like he was never yeah. going to play. So there's two things. Number one is calling Andrew Luck is a dumb idea. He's the most at peace early retired athlete I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Like he just wants to raise his kid. He made over a hundred million dollars. He wouldn't have retired unless he had gone all the way down that hallway. And he just didn't want to rehab his body. Didn't want to go through that anymore. I don't blame him, but also he's a thoughtful guy and he just wanted to start the next chapter of his life. Okay. Of which I thought he could do anything he wanted to, but you know what else he could have done? You know what else uh, option was on the table doing nothing. And that's what he's doing. He's raising his kid. He's hanging out in Indy. If he wanted to go into football ops, he could, if he wanted to play sellers of Catan full-time, he could, if he wanted to come on, the Ringer verse. He came on this podcast three times. No, that old, old podcast, uh, Ringer NFL show, came on that three times with me, and we basically just talked about Game of Thrones half the time. Um, and so he could do whatever he wanted. But the fact that he's doing nothing is a statement in and of itself. Now, here's the most important thing. So the Washington Post reported that the Colts asked for an investigation, but then they checked with Lux Camp, and I think we kind of know what that means. Obviously, his father is a, is a sports executive. His uncle was his agent uh, at Wasserman, Will Wilson, when he was playing. I don't think he's an agent anymore. But having said that, uh, it sounds like the commanders didn't reach out to them. So the only thing more pathetic than calling Andrew Luck and asking if he wants to play for the most toxic franchise in the league is lying about it. And it would be very funny if they somehow lost a pick for lying about calling Andrew Luck. I don't, I don't even know where to, I don't even know where to go with that, but it sounds completely plausible that that is exactly something that. Well, I just think, I, I, I think that there's a, a, a cult where you're just, you're just supposed to say we left no stone unturned. Right. We're just like, we investigated everything we did. Like there's a, I remember somebody saying this years ago, like sometimes you'll get a good quote out of NFL people because there's a certain sect of NFL person that doesn't want ever to seem like they don't know something. 
So if you're just like, hey, did you know this? They'll be like, oh yeah, of course, of course, definitely. We definitely knew about that. We definitely looked into that. And so like you could accidentally be, that's like how the Mahomes game of telephone works, right? With the commanders where it's like, we called every team about the quarterback. Did you call the Chiefs? Yes. And like, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, the Chiefs tried to, the commander tried to trade Patrick Mahomes. That's sort of what happened. So I can see how this game of telephone worked if it's, if the Washington Post is correct and that they didn't reach out to their camp. But I could also, by the way, just see the camp being like, we don't want to get involved in this. And then the commanders really did call Andrew Luck and being like, hey, man, what if you left your peaceful life uh, and raising your child and doing all of this stuff and and making one of the most sort of brave things any young quarterback has done in the last 15 years? What if you undid that to come play for Dan Snyder last season? <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo opted to have surgery rather than going to play for Dan Snyder last mm-hmm. year. I mean, I'm sure Andrew Luck would have done everything to ignore those messages. Like, is it possible that they like dropped him like a LinkedIn note or to like uh, some sort info, of, you know, his info, friendster account just, that they, hasn't been active? They emailed info at andrewluck.com and just, just to see what happens. And they were just like, yeah, we, we yeah. inquired, we, we put we, we put out a feeler. Um, yeah, Sad. it's, it's, a, it's silly season. That's a silly, it's a silly story. Uh, we're at five minutes. Richie, can we get some sort of like bing, ding, a sound, a hot, hot hike? Can we get a hot, hot hike? Like random, like a St. Louis radio station where it's like, it's, where they do their NFL segment and it's like, hot, hot hike. Um, Richie will workshop, but we'll drop something in. Hot, um, all right. Hot, hike. Next headline. Um, I know we made fun of the NFL schedule release, but we will tackle it a little bit today because we're getting some actual interesting insight into what the season's going to look like. Some of the stuff, like everything with the NFL schedule was announced months ago, in some cases years ago. Um, but let's talk about it. It's a couple things on Wednesday, which we've been recording this the international games were announced. The Christmas games were announced and the black Friday games, black Friday is going to be dolphins jets. No surprise. The jets are going to be on national TV as much as possible. It had been 11 years since the jets had played a Sunday night game. That, that ends this year. Spoiler alert, that will end this year. But it had been since basically the Mark Sanchez, Darrell Rivas, Rex Ryan glory days that they'd played on Sunday night. They normally play at 1 p.m. on Sunday on gray, on gray. Oh, somehow it's always overcast. Like it's never a nice day when the Jets play. Um, and just happy for Jets fans that get to experience that. Um, the Cowboys and Giants will play on Christmas Day. And then the international games. Um, and we kind of had had heard leaks in the last couple of weeks of of what that looked like. Um, let's start here. Is there a holiday, Lindsey Jones, that the NFL is not going to be able to take over? They basically have all of them at this point. Um, <laughs> Christmas and New Year's once again are over like holiday or uh, those are like holiday Sunday football weekends this year where we're going to have a Christmas triple header on Christmas day that happened last year. Um, there was that Nickelodeon game. Uh, so there's going to be three games obviously highlighted by, um, what do you say? That was Cowboys giants. But no, I screwed that up. It's Eagles giants. Sorry. Oh, Eagles, Eagles giants. giants. Sorry. Sorry guys. A couple people would just accidentally book their flight to see the Cowboys play the giants. Screwed it up. I mean, are we missing what other random holidays are we missing in, uh, in November here? We've got a Veterans Day. They mark heavily. Halloween, I believe. Halloween. I believe Halloween this year is a Tuesday. Last year it was on a Monday. Remember when I remember the Bengals and the Dolphins played on Halloween a few years ago, maybe like 2014, and just no one had any interest in it. There's Andy Dalton against some terrible Dolphins team, and everybody was like, actually, I'm good. I'm going to dress up like uh, whatever we were dressing up as in 2014. Carrie from Homeland. 
Well, last year it was, um, it was the Bengals again. It was Bengals Browns. Cause I remember it was all very orange color scheme. and, uh, Lena and I were peeking in at the scores as we were trick or treating. Uh, that, that was my, so I guess technically they're not on Halloween yet. Cause it's a two or this year. Cause it's a Tuesday, but they're they going to find a way. They yeah. can try. Uh, all right. International games announced. First of all, Bengals at Chiefs has been announced for week 17 on New Year's CBS. Day. Yeah. Uh, New Year's Day. So there's another, there's like, so first of all, just so everybody knows the college football playoff is going to play midweek games to get away from the NFL. I don't know how they, how they operate there. Like, I don't want to watch, I don't want to watch a college football game on a Wednesday night, but I'm going to have to every December. Um, all right. All the international games have been revealed. Let's go through them. Week four, Falcons, Jaguars in London. Week five, Jaguars, Bills at Tottenham Stadium. Week six, also at Tottenham Stadium, Ravens versus Titans. Dolphins versus Chiefs in Frankfurt. Colts versus Patriots in Frankfurt. I think everybody understands the London thing now, but I think that everybody is in love with the Germany thing. Like, I think everybody just loved... I remember I remember Les Miles talking about this uh, when they went to West Virginia one time. He said, it's like a f- we were invited to a football party. And I kind of feel like there's a football party going on in, in, in Germany right now, Lindsay. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, to go back, if you forgot what happened, it was last year, it was Bucks versus Seahawks uh, was the first game in, in Germany and really in decades. And it was, it was a football party. I mean, the way that the crowd reacted, uh, the way that they like hung out after the game was over and the singing and the partying and, you know, the ticket demand was incredible. And there's just a very, you know, insatiable appetite for American football in Germany in particular, uh, that there isn't other places in Europe and the London games are great and they fill up those stadiums and, you know, they're moving it. It's not just a Wembley event anymore, but there's something really cool and a growth opportunity there, uh, in Germany. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch those games. I think, you know, just the atmosphere is unlike anything that we're really seeing here in the States. So so that'll be fun. I'm glad they're expanding there. That's I think like I'm going to try to go. Place that they're going. I think I'm going to try to go. I need to go. Roger Sherman and I need to go. Because I haven't been to a. I was, uh, was going to say, Roger, you're going to have to fight Roger for that unless I you can make it like a buddy trip. To an NFL international game since uh, Dolphins Jets many years ago when I was still at the Wall Street Journal. I just think it's time. I need to experience <laughs> them singing John Denver songs in in Germany. I've never been to Germany. You know how. Uh, I have not either, although I will be having a layover in Munich in 10 days on my way. Are, on my are way we allowed to, to say this? A bunch of Ringer employees are going to Spotify headquarters in Stockholm. I'm not going. I mean, everybody will see it on like Spo- Instagram or whatever. Alert. I mean, I'm not going. I've got a child to raise. You should try it, Lindsay Jones. I mean, I think it I think it may have come up on some other pods. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you're watching Succession, but there was a um, Scandinavian retreat mm-hmm. a couple episodes oh, ago, I, which I uh, saw that might, I made I made the connection. <laughs> Which, if there's not saunas and gondolas at our uh, at our corporate retreat in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be very disappointed. Um, and I'm looking forward to pastries. But I would say that we were talking about bleak. The last European game that I saw was uh, Niners Broncos during the Josh McDaniels era. I believe it was Kyle oh, Orton yeah. against a very. It was Wait, the uh, was that the game where they there was the Spygate game? Was they that cheated. The, another uh-huh. they cheated? They cheated for yes, that game. It was. Imagine cheating yes, for it that was. game. Um. I believe Troy Smith was the Niners quarterback. Am I oh misremembering god. from Ohio oh State? Oh my god. No, no, I remember. Yeah. I'm saying oh yeah. my god because yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Um all right, let's We uh, have been punishing 
we've been punishing British football fans for well, decades. We're going to get so the Chiefs. Really... We're going to give the Chiefs uh, to Germany quite a bit, which is a great thing. I uh, hope Bobby Mahomes is healthy and all that stuff. They were going to play last year, but it was going to be the Bucks and the Chiefs. This is, I don't know if this ever reported. Maybe it was. Um, there was going to be the Bucks and the Chiefs, and then they the Tom Brady came back, and then the NFL was like, "So that's Mahomes Brady. So we're going to not give that to Germany." It was too. <laughs> we're good not going to do Germany. that game at nine a.m. Eastern. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's do our third our third headline, which is drum roll, please. Not a lot of drama here. Reports say most recently, Mike Florio, that Patrick Mahomes will get a bump in pay, probably before the season starts. Fair. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, when he signed that deal, it was now what three full years ago. It was the 2020. summer of twenty twenty, and. You know, it was unique in structure in that he signed a 10-year deal, uh, but it was... So when you saw the initial numbers, 10 years, $500 million approximately, Mm -hmm. give or take um, a little bit, half a billion dollars, 10 years. Those are not the type of deals that you see in the NFL. But when you looked at it year to year to year, it was actually a very team-friendly deal. And the way that the cap has skyrocketed uh, in the years since... Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is not, you know, he's not hurting for cash. He's, he's making very good money, but he is no longer like being paid like the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, just the way that the market has worked, uh, the, the way that the market goes, there are now a number of quarterbacks who are making more money on an annual basis, uh, than he is. So I could see where, you know, his camp is coming in to say, let's look at the deals that Daniel Jones, yep. let's see what Daniel Jones is making this year. And what, uh, you know, J- Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. And, uh, you know, we've got the reigning MVP and a two-time Super Bowl champ. So, so I have it in front of me. Here. I have it in front of me. 2023 contact uh, contract average cap percentage rankings. Okay. So this is against salary cap, which is kind of more indicative of, of what it means to the team to have this player under contract instead of just cash, which can be, which can, can fluctuate wildly from year to year. Lamar is number one, 23%. Then Jalen Hurts, although some of those numbers on Jalen Hurts' deal, especially the void years, make it look a little uh, larger than it is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, third. Russell Wilson, fourth. Kyler Murray, fifth. Deshaun Watson, sixth. Patrick Mahomes, seventh at 20%. Now, crucially, all of the contracts ahead of him were signed 2022 or later. The top two obviously were signed in 2023. It makes all the sense in the world. I view this almost like a college football coach where they've got these insane long-term deals, but then they just renegotiate them all the time. Like anytime they they win a, a conference game, they're just like, oh, better tech one, one year and $9 million on this puppy. A uh, couple things. Number one, on average annual value, uh, according to Mike Florio, Mahomes has fallen $7 million behind the highest paid player in the sport. Number two, so this came out via Ian Rappaport, and this makes all the sense in the world, too. The Mahomes actually is not going to sign it after Lamar and Hertz do their deals. He's going to wait for one more round. What does that mean? Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Because those guys are probably going to far exceed what Jalen Hurts got. And I don't know how this is progressing. I mean, the freaking Bengals are selling naming rights to their stadium just so they can have the cash to do Joe Burrow. If one of those guys, let's call it bets on himself and gets a year closer to playing the franchise tag for agency game, then that the one of the, and we also, we always fantasize about this and with Lamar, it didn't really work because the Ravens were being weird. And that, that whole thing was, was very strange. Also, well, it ends well, whatever. But like if there's a situation where this, this, the, the, one of those quarterbacks gets a little closer 
plays the Dak Prescott game a little bit. If the team bungles it like the Cowboys did a few years ago um, and and misses a year of getting these guys under contract, then that number could just explode. And if I'm Mahomes, that's what I want to be negotiating off of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's probably ways that they would, you know, ideally like to get this done this spring. You know, they would love Burrow and Herbert to get their deals done at some point in June when a lot of these deals tend to get done. Um, these big extensions so that they kind of know what they're working with. Um, but yeah, if you're Mahomes, you know, you deserve to be paid at the very top of the market. Uh, we've already seen the chiefs successfully negotiate what it means to build a championship roster while you have one of the most expensive quarterbacks in the NFL, that's only going to get harder. They have some other, you know, roster issues that they have to continue to continue to address. They're spending a lot of money on their offensive line right now. Um, Chris Jones, very curious to see if he ends up getting a bump at some point this year or if that becomes a thing that's going to be lingering. But Mahomes deserves it. And I think we all saw this sort of thing coming three years ago when he signed this deal, knowing that he was not going to play out 10 years under this, under his exact contract, that he was going to be negotiating at some time in the not too distant future. You mentioned two things that I think are important. Number one is that just like, first of all, you, you don't, they won with this kind of roster construction and no team before this one, if I'm not mistaken, had won with two players accounting for that much of the cap and the chiefs roster voting this year just obliterated all the rules about how much you pay your quarterback, how much you pay your, your, your two highest star players, all of that stuff. So we're good there. Second of all, there's no reason. So you have the proof of concept that you can do this, but then the second part is there's no reason to have Patrick Mahomes at all pissed off for even a minute. Like he provides so much value. He could have dragged this out. He could have done the, he could have just signed three year deals at a time and just held, held the, which would be his right. If you wanted to play that, uh, that particular game of just sort of contractual chicken every two to three years, he could have done that. He could have held the, the, the organization to, I mean, they would have to do whatever they could to, to keep him. It would have been crazy to have to deal with that every three years and figure out what the top of the market is. So at least he signed that they have cost some degree of cost certainty. They know they have a, have him under contract for the next 10 years. Mahomes knows that he's going to be, if he got hurt tomorrow, he's going to make more money than any human being he meets, even in the F one paddock. Um, a lot of rich people there. Mahomes was among the richest, although Bezos was there on Saturday, Bezos and Mahomes were not at F one at the same time. Maybe Mahomes is just always the richest person in the room. I don't know. Well, well, and I would say the the other thing that I think is interesting about Mahomes, and maybe we'll start seeing this with other quarterbacks kind of of this generation as salaries are increasing exponentially and quickly, is that he's building wealth in a way that football players have not been able to do in previous generations. Mm -hmm. Um, He has done a lot of very, I mean, I, I would say it, I guess I would say it's smart. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an econ major or anything here, but he's, he's taken a lot of equity in companies. He's, um, worked with a lot of startups. He's also investing. He and his wife, Brittany have been investing a lot of money in, you know, professional sports organizations, mm-hmm. whether that's the NWSL organization in Kansas city, uh, the Royals, um, I believe now, I think they're, they have some money in the MLS team as well. I mean, they are, they're kind of building their portfolio in ways that we have not seen young athletes in the NFL do ever because you know they they have this long-term security by the nature of that previous deal. So um it's going to be very interesting to just watch what he does for the market and then if he's setting kind of a new model for the the most the richest and like the the very top tier of NFL athletes to follow in terms of the way that they 
you know, similar to like LeBron James kind of stuff that we just haven't seen professional athletes do in the past. The one thing, so Florio mentioned that you could make him the highest paid player again by tacking on three years and a little more than $156 million to the back end of the existing deal. So what'll be interesting to see is if they add years or they just take what he currently has, just give him a bump. I, I don't, I don't know the answer to what he wants to do. Does he want to yeah. seek out free agency? How old would he be like 35? Like, does he want to just see what that's like? I, I, I don't know. Um, it's a long way from now. We'll be dead. You and I we're old. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. This just took, this just yeah. took a really dark turn. I mean, what are we wow. going to be doing in eight years? Come on. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's get to the next wow. one. New okay, details, new details about the Aaron Rodgers trade via Albert Breer and Connor Hughes in different stories. One on sports illustrated, one on SNY, uh, interesting nuggets. They came out at about the same time. I felt like I learned a lot about a couple of things. Number one, this sort of confirmed that the Packers really do like Jordan Love and the idea that he was making huge strides pre-snap, command of the offense, the way he ran practices when Aaron Rodgers was was out or taking a veteran's day off um, during the 2022 season. I think Packers fans should be a little bit encouraged by that. Um, that the Jets interviewed basically, I think, over 20 people for the offensive coordinator position that eventually went to Nathaniel Hackett. And then they looked into the quarterbacks and they looked at three tiers. One tier was the players that can compete for a Super Bowl. The second tier was the what had the Jets in the playoffs. And the third is players who would make the Jets slightly better, but not closer to their ultimate goal, which is obviously the Super Bowl. The only players in tier one were Lamar Jackson, Matthew Stafford, and Aaron Rodgers. Stafford was going to come back to LA. Lamar Jackson signed in Baltimore. I was going to sign in Baltimore, and that was kind of known. So it was just Rodgers. He was the plan. Now, there was some reporting that they genuinely liked Derek Carr, but that was off the table pretty quickly. Um, in reading this stuff, Lindsay, did you learn anything you didn't know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always interesting just to learn like the TikTok behind it all and, you know, when teams became interested, when they decided, you know, when the from the Jets perspective, when they realized we are going to do this and we're starting to put that plan into motion. Um, you know, so I think that is interesting. Um, you know, because we had heard Rogers's side. You know, so for like a month, the only real like side that we had heard was Rogers and what he said on Pat McAfee. You know, there had been a little bit out of Green Bay, um, you know, stuff that good that Brian Gutekunst said at the combine, those sorts of things. Um, but we hadn't really gotten the other perspectives. And I think, you know, now that all these deals are done, this is when the, the these kind of retrospective stories happen where we're getting a lot more information about the Packers thinking uh, and then you know, Connor's story at SNY was like very detailed about what the Jets specifically were thinking and kind of their view on all of this. I think the common thread though for through right through both stories is that Aaron Rodgers, like you're able to get a hold of Aaron Rodgers if he wants you to get a hold of him. Yes. And uh uh the the Jets didn't just seem to have any problem communicating with either Rodgers directly or his agent, uh, the Packers had massive difficulties getting in touch with Aaron Rodgers. And I think we probably know why, you know, he didn't, he didn't answer those calls. It wasn't that he didn't have service, right? That he did, he doesn't prefer FaceTime. That wasn't, that turned out to not be true. That he's just a FaceTime only guy and only Face- the New York Jets were aware of this. Like sociopathic behavior. Who prefers so, FaceTime? Gutenkunst couldn't meet with them. Um, 
basically Rogers cut off contact after the exit meeting, which was fine. He was in search uh, in search of a goal. A um, couple things here. Number one is that the Jets attributed basically all of the struggles in 2022 to a thumb injury, which I am inclined to believe. But what I would say is that when you're pushing 40, you're the type of guy that gets thumb injuries that ruin your entire season. That's just you're, that's the tax you pay. So let's not if he was 24 and he had a little injury that 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 cost him couple of you know a, a couple of precision points on on deep passes or whatever i'd be more generous so it's just something to watch guys old people get hurt all the time that's what you and i are old and and we get hurt all the time i True. can barely can confirm. i can barely wake up in the morning um and so i it's it's i i'm of two minds on that on the the, the thumb injury thing um yeah so i think that what's interesting Breer reported that the packers Basically, we're going to treat this totally differently after the draft, um, which is something I believed as well. If it didn't get done, you heard Domofsky's report, something I had heard kind of secondhand a couple of weeks ago as well, which is if it didn't get done by the draft, the Packers were in no rush before August to do it. We could have had literal Rogers watch like we had Favre watch a couple of years ago where it's, you know, we're waiting and 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 we're just sort of sitting around until it gets done. Um, it sounded like things picked up at the combine um, in kind of the first chapter of it. And then the next week they had permission to talk and then it got, it got done and pushed over the finish line in the draft. There was a sense of urgency where I think a lot of people thought the jets were comfortable playing a waiting game. I don't think they were. Yeah. I mean, I think there was like a, you know, we don't have to, it's not a rush to get him in the building necessarily. Like he doesn't have to be there for the very first day of OTAs, but at some point, like you need to have, your quarterback position settled and you need to have him in the building. And then there were 2023 draft picks that you need to, you need to deal with. So the draft always made sense as like a logical deadline. Um, I'm just, I'm just so glad that it's over. Can you imagine how miserable the content cycle would have been this summer if it wasn't done? Like now we just have a schedule release. Now we have that bombshell. I'm I'm fine with that. Thank God. I'm fine with that trade off. Uh, all right, quickly, uh, Peter King reported in his column on Monday that an obscure garbage time play in 2020 uh, sold Bryce Young to the Carolina Panthers and that his command of the offense. If this was a play, I when I first saw it, I thought it was from the Tennessee-Alabama game last year, but it was actually three Tennessee-Alabama games ago um, in, in literal garbage time, October 24, 24th, uh, 2020. Bryce Young had... Uh, just been playing high school football in Santa Ana, California, according to Peter King, uh, 10 months earlier. And basically, basically, it was about how he could command the offense on a 12-yard third down conversion pass to John Mechie, up 48-17 to 17 against Tennessee. This was, remember, Tennessee won last year. So congratulations, Tennessee, on making these, these, uh, these strides in, in such a short period of time. Uh, but basically, they were sold on the fact that he was calling a five-man slide uh, a risky call, as Wright called it, um, on the protection. Uh, if you're going to call a five-man slide, according to Wright, you have to be 100% sure that you can bring that right tackle over. Because if you bring him and that left offensive end comes, you're in trouble. So they like the smoothness of the call. They like how he handled the overloaded pressure and how he covered the blitz. And, and, and how easy he made it all look. And Peter King says, you and I would never notice this. Football lifers do. Lindsay, is this a little bit of junk science? Like a little bit to just like one play as freshman year, be like, I'm going to draft him. 
That's that's it. That was the thing that sold us. I mean, I think we're in a little bit of like hype, you know, post draft hyperbole yes. mode where they, you know, you need to one prove that you did your intense due diligence that we watched every single snap that he ever took, and here's the things that you're going to love about him. And we were convinced all along that he was the right guy. Um, but like, what hyperbole season? The other part of that was that I think Reich said he has like a process. You know, he's showing processing uh, that you see from. Peyton Manning, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers. Uh, I think there might have been a couple other guys that he threw in there, which like that's a very high bar, which that's great. And I mean, we heard that all through the, the the draft process, right? That Bryce Young is very small, but he makes up for the lack of some of those or those physical questions about his size by the way that he processes the game, the way that he sees the game, his vision, the way that he um, is able to run an offense. So we'll see. Um, being able to make NFL level checks one when you're 18 years old is fantastic. Now let's see him do it against NFL defenses. All right. So I'm with you that I, I do I do understand post-draft hyperbole season. I will say that more evaluators than you think love to watch players and blowouts. This is something that uh uh recently fired. Titans general manager John Robinson had told me years ago, and it had stuck with me that one of the things he liked when he scouted toughness is whether or not players were still hitting hard in 20 point games, 30 point games. Are they watching? You know, you're watching some Ole Miss Georgia game. Georgia's up 45 to 10. Is is the Ole Miss defensive back still still just dropping hits on on the receiver when it calls for it, or do they do they let up? I do think that there's some of that. And so the idea that Bryce Young, in limited time, and again was already over in a blowout in the Alabama machine, they're marching toward a national championship, all of that stuff in the COVID year. Um, the fact that he would be able to do this is, I I, I think, pretty interesting. Um, so I do think I do think saying like one play sold them is a little bit of a little bit out there, but I, I understand what Reich means uh, when he says like, this is, this is like the, the prototypical thing we want you to do at the NFL level. And you did it 10 months after you're playing high school football. Yeah. And I think, and I think all of that's fair. And we'll just, we'll just assume that there was probably an editor who slapped that framing on it. Right. And it wasn't the writer's fault. It was our guy PK. He's getting, well, did PK write the headline or he wrote it in the no, exactly he gets said the, it? But he gets better nuggets than anybody in this industry. Yes, he does. Yes, he he's, does. He's he's the nugget king. Um, that's why he's one of the best, literally one of the best people who's ever done our job. Um, and we'll just be doing that forever. And he um, never and he, he never now, misses a guy, the nugget, which is great. There's a guy who's gonna be producing nuggets at the end of Mahomes' contract. <laughs> there, that's that <laughs> that's guy. That's for sure. It's that guy. Um, all right. Last thing, we'll do some rapid fire. Hendon Hooker will redshirt this year. This also dovetails with the headline that Dan Campbell loves that Hendon Hooker is older. Uh, this makes sense to me. Like, I didn't think you don't draft a guy. Th- th- this seems to happen a lot where a guy is rumored to go in the first round, then he drops, and then there's still the same expectations on him. Like, I saw that with Malik Willis last year, too, where it's like, well, he dropped to the middle rounds because he's not the guy that that maybe the media thought he was or some, even just some pundit. So like, let's recalibrate expectations. You don't take a guy in the middle rounds and expect him to compete in for a job in October. A quarterback. Yeah. He also like tore his, he also tore his ACL yes, of in course. November. Yes. So yes. like, of course he's going to redshirt next year. Yes. That would be an, that would be an irresponsible decision to try to rush a rookie to play off of a torn ACL when you have a competent 
veteran starter. Yes. It's Jared. It's not like, I mean, if the commanders took him, I could see being like, all right, he's going to compete when he's he's clear for contact and we're going to get him in. And maybe once you put, you know, maybe November, maybe the back half of the season or whatever, but that's not it. This team almost made the playoffs last year with Jared Goff. Like there's no reason to rush Hendon freaking hooker. If you took Will Levis, it's a different conversation. Yeah. And I, you know, I think some of this is just like expectation setting and it's probably good for Hendon Hooker to, I mean, I'm sure he was hearing that privately, but it's probably good for it to be out there publicly for the rest of the roster to know this is what the quarterback plan is. We're not going to be doing this. Like is, is Hendon Hooker going to make it? Are we going to be switching quarterbacks later in the season? No, he's going to get time to recover. And if he's cleared to start practicing and we can remove him from the reserve PUP list in November and give him six weeks to practice where he can like you know, do some stuff on the scout team. Great. But this is what the plan is. All right. Uh, Dexter Lawrence extension makes sense. Like I don't, I, I, the, the giants leaving aside the Daniel Jones contract seem to just be building the right way. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, defensive tackle right now is kind of in the middle of this like Renaissance where there's a lot of really good young, you know, 25 year old ish, defensive tackles that are, that are very impactful players, three downs. So he's kind of just the next one in line to get paid. And I love to see that position that has kind of been overlooked outside of the Aaron Donalds, you know, really get, you know, really get some shine and get, get some nice contracts here. Yep. Uh, so it is a four year, $87 million contract, uh, according to Spotrack. Uh, that puts him at drum roll, please. For this year, the cap hit's going to be twenty third uh, in the NFL at defensive tackle for cash. He's number five. Deron Payne is going to make thirty one million dollars this year. Aaron Donald twenty eight, Jeffrey Simmons twenty five, Hargrave twenty five, and then Dexter Lawrence twenty four. Um, that also, by the way, is what you mentioned about Chris Jones. Chris Jones is going to be sixth in cash flow this year. Uh, this all makes sense. I mean, like this is this is kind of pretty typical NFL stuff, which is one player sets the market and then everybody else in that, in that stratosphere signs. So, uh, don't hate it. Dexter Lawrence is a monster and you want to keep those players not have much drama around it. Yeah. There's probably a, there's another defensive tackle in New York that is probably looking at that as well. Quinn and Williams with the jets who is, uh, which it sounds like that might be going a little slower. He did have, he, hopefully he's next to the, uh, for the jets. He did. So Joe Douglas said they're optimistic. He, quote tweeted that and said optimistic with some sort of tea drinking situation. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Quinn and Williams, if Quinn and Williams wants more then if he wants to reset the market, that might take a couple months or it might, you know, it might happen in the time it takes to post this pod. So good thing. It's at the end. So we can cut that out. Um, Lindsay Jones, are you, maybe you're coming back next week. I don't know. You might be in Sweden. Not quite yet. All right. I, I still have one more week. But oh, we'll Richie, record from Sweden. Do it in the Richie's middle of the day. Who knows? Richie's going to Sweden. Um, all right. We'll see you guys. Thank you, Richie Bozes. We're going to be fikaing without you. Sorry. The hell is that? We'll, t- we'll tell you about it when we, get- when we come back. All right. We'll see you next week. We'll be back uh, with more headlines. Maybe a guest next week. This has been the slow news day. I almost said the Ringer F1 show because I did five <laughs> of those in the last six days. This has been slow news day on the Ringer Podcast Network. See you guys later. 